I want to start a brand new series entitled Decisions, Decisions, how to make great decisions in your life. And in Psalms chapter 25, verse 4, it says, show me your ways. Everybody say, show me your ways. Oh, Lord, teach me your paths. Everybody say paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me, for you are God, my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Now, this morning, I'm so excited because I believe that some of you in this room are going to be set free from fear when it comes to decision making. How many of you have ever been afraid to make a decision in your life? I mean, you're just like, oh, man, if I make the wrong decision here. You know, it, there's going to be some consequences. And you know what? The Bible tells us that, that he is the source. God is the source of all wisdom. That God contains all the wisdom that we need. And the word of the Lord says that God wants us to make some really good decisions in our life. He wants us to make great decisions in our life. And he wants us to ask him. He wants us to go to him and ask him for wisdom. The Bible says in James that if we lack wisdom, let us ask of God and God will give us the wisdom. Now in the Greek, that word lack means that you're out of answers, that you're absolutely at the point where you're, 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 you're looking at a problem in your life and you don't know how to answer the problem and so you need wisdom. Well, the Bible says that we need to ask, and that word ask means that you ask with absolute faith because you know that you know that God has the answer for your situation in your life. God has a solution to your problem. You know, decisions are quite like a Rubik's Cube, isn't it? You know, when you're making a decision in a Rubik's Cube, one turn helps you to understand, well, you know what, I, I'm getting closer to figuring out this, this, this solution to this Rubik's Cube. Now, I happen to have in the room today a Rubik's Cubeologist, and he's going to come, and he's going to show us how to put this thing together, all right? Now, so I'm going to kind of turn it, can I turn it around a little bit here and there, all right? See, I'm going to just kind of make sure that you know that this is not a fixed thing, all right? But my nephew, Joshua, happens to be a Rubik's Cubologist, and uh, I want you to give it up to Joshua because he's going to come right now, and he's going to show us how to do this thing. Come on, give it up for my nephew, all right? Here we go, ready? Now, I want you to say, Joshua! Say it again, Joshua! All right, let's see how fast he can do this. Are you ready? One, two, three, go. Come on, give it up for him. Give it up for him. Now, how many of you, when you, when you started using a Rubik's Cube, how many of you have ever tried to use a Rubik's Cube? How many of you, after 30 seconds, you put it down and said, I'm going to leave this thing alone lest I go insane? Huh? How many of you picked it back up, you know, a couple of days later, and you tried it again, you tried it figure it out again. You took about a half an hour and an hour and you said, you said, there's no way I'm putting this down before I go insane. Let me see your hands. Come on, everybody. How many of you have at times taken the Rubik's Cube and, and you really wish you could take the thing apart and put it back together the right way? Come on, somebody say amen, right? You know, because you really tried to work this thing the best you could, but it just seemed like no matter what you do, you couldn't figure it out. Well, I want you to know that there is actually a formula to figuring out the Rubik's Cube, but you know what? Just even Figuring out the formula is pretty impossible. Come on, give it up for Joshua. Look out, he's getting close there. And, and the truth is that every one of us have become, in some ways, discouraged when it comes to figuring out things in our life, decisions in our life. But God has a formula for our life, and God knows exactly how to do it. Come on, somebody. Give it up for Joshua. Thank you, buddy. Woohoo! I think he did this in about a minute. How do you like that, all right? So God, God in his word has a formula to helping us understand how we can make decisions in our life, good decisions in our life. Now, I want you to know that every decision we make has a consequence, doesn't it? You know, I've sat with a lot of people, and, and unfortunately, you know, they have a life that's kind of has all of these different consequences in their life, you know, and it, my heart broke a couple of weeks ago when, when I saw in the news that there was a young man who on his 18th birthday went to the city to celebrate and he made a decision. And instead of, um, he was on the subway and uh, instead of going up the stairs and going around to go to the other side because he was on the wrong side, he decided because somebody dared him to cross the tracks to get to the other side and he got killed. And that, that's heartbreaking if you think about that decision in his life. 
And so that can be scary for all of us that are here to say, you know what, one decision can cost so much in my life. You see, I'm really convinced with all my heart that when we seek after God's ways, we can walk in freedom of fear knowing that God loves us and that when we obey him and we follow him, that we can be assured that God has the right plan when we're on his track, we're on the right track. Somebody say amen. I want you to bow your heads for a moment. Father, I pray that you would bless each and every person that is here today. And I pray, oh God, that you would help us to understand and consider your ways, oh God, because your ways are the best way. So we thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. So, so how do we make good decisions in our life? How do we make decisions by which we know that God is going to bless those decisions and we can walk in faith and not in fear? Well, I believe it's found in Psalms 25. The psalmist said, God, help me to know your ways. Help me to know your ways. Now, when we think about God and we think about how God works, we think of three things. We think of the three areas of God's character or God's nature and also God's will in our life. First, we think of God's works in our life. Now, I want you to know today that this is not going to be like a shouting, screaming sermon, but this is going to be a teaching today. I believe that somebody's going to be set free from fear today, and somebody's going to walk in peace today, and somebody's going to learn the secret on how to find God's will in their life. How many of you have ever prayed, God, I want to know your will? Let me see your hands. All right, great. Awesome. So, so first, we understand that God is a God of power and might and that the first thing we see about God is that God is a God of powerful works, powerful works. You know, there are certain things that God's going to do whether we like it or not. There are certain things that are going to get done in God's kingdom because he decreed it, it's going to happen. I mean, think about salvation, that from the time when man sinned, God gave him a solution. And that, that God spoke to the devil who caused Adam and Eve to be tempted and, and initially tempted them in such a way that they, they ate the apple, they sinned, they disobeyed God, and they were banished from the Garden of Eden. And as a result of that, God comes in and brings a solution. And he speaks to the devil. And what does he say to the devil? He says, devil, I want you to know that you've done this, but the seed of the woman is going to crush your head, but you're going to bruise his heel. And at that very moment, God spoke. And when God speaks something, it will come to pass. And so God spoke and he said that the seed of a woman is going to crush the head of the enemy. So Jesus comes and he says, I have come to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. God decreed it. Jesus came. And there was nothing in the world that the devil could do to keep God's plan for coming into the world. And so we can say, thank you, God, for your wonderful power work powerful work of salvation but all through the scriptures we find that the psalmist says give thanks to the Lord and remember his works of power he said not only remember it he said but pass on the information to your children and their children and their children talk about the awesome power of God the awesome works of God, how God spoke and the earth was created, how God spoke and the galaxies were thrust into the universe and beyond because God is a God of works and his works are so wonderful that we are to praise him for his great works. God told Abraham, he said, Abraham, you're going to be the father of many nations. And even though Abraham made a mistake along the way, God's powerful work was still accomplished through Abraham. You wouldn't be here today if God's work wasn't accomplished through Abraham. And so God can take all those things that we do, even the mistakes, and work them out for our good. God's powerful work. Why? Because God is a sovereign God. God is a providential God. And so we thank the Lord for his great works. Everybody say with me, thank you, Lord, for your awesome works. Now we know that God also has a will, amen, God's will, okay, and we often talk about God's personal will in our life, 
And the truth of the matter is most of us were more interested in God's will than we are in God's ways. We're more interested in what God has for us instead of understanding that God is with us and that God wants to be our Savior, our Lord, and the lover of our life. And so what we do is we, we go from God's ways to God's will and we say, God, I want you to show me your will in my life. And so we bring a big list of things that we want from God. God, I want to be married. Show me who. God, I want to do this. Show me where. Instead of saying, God, you're God and I want to know your ways, we really want to know his will because, you know what, so many of us really believe that the universe and everything around is all centers or all revolves around us. We are the center of the universe and God exists for us. God doesn't exist for us. We exist to bring glory and honor to God. God created us so that we might have a loving relationship with him and he wants to bless us and he wants to pour his wonderful, wonderful gifts upon us. But, but listen, God doesn't, God doesn't exist for us. We exist to bring glory and praise to God. In fact, the Bible says in Corinthians, everything we do, let it be for the glory and honor of God. And so I want to suggest to you this morning that instead of asking God for his personal will, we should ask God to help us understand his perfect ways. Wow. See, because the truth is, when you look in the scriptures, you really don't hear God saying, seek after my will. You really don't hear God saying, you know what? You have to really try really hard, really, really hard to find my will. What God says is, I want you to be in love with my ways. Because you see, when you love God's ways, when you walk in God's ways, you will find God's will. Hallelujah. You see, what we've put the cart before the horse. And see, we keep on running after God's will. God, show me now. Lord, show me what, show me when, and God's saying, no, I want to show you me. You see, because, you see, when it comes to God's will, that's something we want. When it comes to God's ways, that's something he is. Because what is God's ways? What does it mean to understand God's ways? Well, to understand God's ways is to understand his heartbeat. To understand God's ways is to understand his character. To understand God's ways is to understand what God is passionate about, what God loves and what God hates. To understand God's ways is to understand how he thinks, how he operates. To, to, when we think of God's ways, we think of, God, I want to know you personally, God. Lord, I want to know what's on your heart. I want to know what's on your mind. And the psalmist says, God, teach me your ways. So how do we make good decisions in life? How do we learn to make the right decisions in life? I want you to write this down. We first learn to seek God's ways before we seek God's personal will for our life. That's powerful. You see, the truth is, when we look in the scriptures, we find the characteristics of God, God's perfect work, God's powerful, incredible work. God's perfect and personal will, but we also find all through the scriptures that God is calling us to seek his ways for our life. See, what does it mean to seek the ways of the Lord? It means you want to know, you want to do what God does. You want to follow after God's heart with all of your life. You want to walk with Jesus. This is powerful. It means that you, you love God's ways. It means you love God's heart. It means you love the way that God thinks. You love the way that God acts. And you're following in the ways of God. You know, Psalms 25 says, Lord, show me your ways. And, and in the scriptures, we find a young man who understands this principle. I want you to look in the scriptures, and I want you to go to 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 3. 2 Chronicles 17, verse 3. It's in the Old Testament. And we find a young man in the Bible. His name is Jehoshaphat. And notice what the scripture says about Jehoshaphat, verse 3. 
And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. And the Lord was with Jehoshaphat because in his early years, he walked, listen to me, he walked in the ways of his father David and followed after him. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you look in the Old Testament, you'll find kings that walked in the ways of the Lord, and then their children walked in the ways of the Lord, and so on and so on. Or you will find the opposite. You will find that David walked in the ways of the Lord. Solomon walked in the ways of the Lord. Rehoboam did not walk in the ways of the Lord. And as a result of that, his sons and his sons did not walk in the way of the Lord until a young man who really loved God and said, you know what, I don't care what my father did. I'm going to walk in the ways of the Lord. And so Jehoshaphat decides, you know what, doesn't matter what my father did. I'm going to walk in the ways of the Lord. We find some kings that were mighty kings who loved God with all their heart. And as a result of that, Josiah, a young man who decides, I'm going to walk in the ways of the Lord. And so they clean up the temple, they clean up the city, they clean up the sin, and they begin to walk in the ways of the Lord. Notice what happens, though. The Bible says that he did not consult the Baals or the false gods, but sought the God of his father and follows his commands rather than the practices of Israel. And listen to me, and the Lord established his kingdom. Wow, there it is. That when you walk in the ways of the Lord, the Lord will establish your steps. Hallelujah. That when you walk in the ways of the Lord, the Lord will establish your family. The Lord will establish your life. We're running around. We're trying to figure out how is God going to do this? And God, I need to find your perfect will. I need to find the person that you want me to marry. Lord, I need to find the right job. And God's saying, no, seek me with all your heart. Seek first the kingdom of God. And I'm going to show you. And as you walk in my ways and as you walk in obedience, as you love my heartbeat, as you love what I love, I'm going to let you find the will of God in the process of doing and following my ways. Somebody say amen. Glory to God. I love what it says. It says, and God established Jehoshaphat's kingdom. I know about you, but I want an establishment. But I want God to establish it, not me. And the Bible says the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. Steps of a righteous man are established by God himself. And so instead of running here and there trying to figure it out, if we walk in the ways of the Lord, we'll find the will of God. You know, Saul, King Saul in the Bible, you know, he's known as the king who went off and did really wicked things. And at the end of his life, in fact, he committed suicide. It's horrible. But in the beginning of his life, he was a good, fine young man. And the Bible says that his father said to him, go out and find the lost donkeys. If you find the story in the Bible, in, in Samuel, it said that, that Saul obeyed his father. He obeyed the Lord by obeying his father. And as he did that, and he was searching for the donkeys, the prophet Samuel came and prayed and laid his hands on him and anointed him to be king. And so here's the principle. Saul is being obedient to the word of God and obedient to the ways of God. And on the way, he discovers the will of God for his life. That's so powerful. <laughs> we could get so stressed out trying to find the will of God. Instead of recognizing if we seek his ways, we'll, follow, we'll find his will. So how do we know God's ways? Well, number one, God's ways are usually forged in the fire. God's ways are usually forged in the fire. Why? Because God is more interested in your character than he is in your possessions. He's more interested in you, the person, than he is in you finding out his will for your life. What do I mean by that? Well, the truth is that God's predestined will for you is that you would be conformed into the image of his son. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For whom God foreknew, he predestined to become conformed into the image of his son. Now listen to me. Follow me for a moment. This is very important. Some people look at that verse and they say that verse means that some people are destined to be saved and some are not. That's not what it means whatsoever. What it means is that for every person, God foreknew us and he predestined us that we might become like his son. That's the goal. The goal in our life is to become like Jesus. It's not to have big cars. It's not to have 
fancy homes. It's to be like Jesus. It's to be a representative of Jesus wherever we go. It's to love the lost with all of our heart and to do the works of the king, do the work of the ministers uh, who we are, the ministers of Christ, who do it in the name of Jesus because we're like Jesus. And so our goal in our life must be to become like Jesus. So, so what does God do? God takes the good and God takes the bad in our life and he forges it together in the fire so that we can be Jesus to the world. Not, not Jesus himself, but be like Jesus to the world. Why? Because that's his perfect will for your life. Everybody say God's perfect will is for me to be like Jesus. All the other stuff is stuff. All the other stuff is stuff in our life. And so, so God's ways are usually forged in the fire because we're rebellious. Sometimes we're just hard-headed and God's got to put us in the fire so the dross can come to the top so that he can make us into pure gold. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. So that we can become like Jesus. And so that Romans chapter 8 verse 28 comes to life because I know that all things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So when you're walking in God's ways, God will make sure that his will is done in your life. Why? Because he, took, he takes the good and he takes the bad he takes the awful and he takes the good and he puts it together and he says you know what I'm gonna make it work in your life because God loves you because you love God with all your heart and you're walking in his ways even when you make mistakes in your life even when you don't do the things that God always wants you to do God says because you're walking in my ways because you love me with all your heart I'm gonna even move the mountains that are in your way and I'm gonna make your path straight and I'm gonna do a great work in your life come on somebody because I'm gonna make you like Jesus. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Now, now, here's the truth. Some of you are thinking to yourself, well, I'm going through some really hard times in my life. I'm going through some real struggles in my life. So I wonder if I am in the will of God. Friend, just because you're going through a hard time doesn't mean you're outside of the will of God. Sometimes it means that. But when you're walking in the ways of the Lord and you're obeying God the best that you can do, knowing God's word, then you can be confident that God has allowed you to go through the fire because he's got something good on the other side of the fire. You know, I want to give you an illustration of that. And these two handsome young men are going to help me. Come on up here right now. Give these two handsome men a big hand. Come on. Come on. Come on. Oh, yeah. Are these guys handsome or what? Yeah. I train him. All right. All right, come on up here, handsome. You sang on Easter Sunday. He, he, wasn't he awesome on Easter Sunday? All right, now, let's just pretend for a moment, and, and I actually got this from Steve Furtick from the Elevation, so I'm not going to take credit for it, but this was so powerful, I have to show you this, all right? Let's just say for a moment, he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy, so don't give me one. Mike is a nice guy. But let's, make, let's for a moment pretend that Mike represents all the bad things that happened in our life, all right? All the difficult things that happened, all the fires that we've had to go through in our life, all the heartache and pain I'm wearing red. in our life because he's wearing red. All right, okay. And this young man represents all the good things that have happened in our life, all the joyful things that have happened, the good things in our life, right? Okay, well, you see, when you're walking with God and you love God, with all your heart and God is establishing your ways and he's making you into the person that God wants you to be well you know what he's got to take the rainy days and he's got to take the fiery storms of life and he's got to take the difficulties of our life and he's even got to take our mistakes in our life you know somebody came over to me after the service in the second service and he asked me he said but you know what if you're walking in God's ways will that mean that you always make the right decision no because we still have to deal with the flesh we still have to deal with our own inability sometimes to to be obedient to God because we're just knuckleheads and we're rebellious you know and we do the wrong thing so we're not going to always make the right decision. But you see, we can always be confident of this one thing, that if we love the Lord, even when we were rebellious and we did something wrong, we could take our mess to God. And God, our Heavenly Father, is going to say, okay, let's fix this thing up. It might not be the best decision, and you may have to live with some of those consequences of that decision. But you see, the Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, all 
things work together for the good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. So you know what God says? God says bad things, whether you like it or not, you're going to have to work together with the good things so that, that you can be the person that God wants you to be. God takes the bad and he takes the good and he says, whether you like it or not, you're going to work together. Don't they, don't they, aren't they cute? Don't get on, don't get worried. And you are going to work together for the good for those who love me and are called according to his purpose. I'm going to take the bad and I'm going to make it work with the good and I'm going to take the good and I'm going to make it work with the bad so that I can make the person who is fully matured reflecting the image of God. Everybody give these young men a big hand. Please let go of the guy already. I'm going to get these people nervous. Amen. That's what God does in our life. So, so how do we find God's ways? Well, it's forging the fire. But God's ways are always, always in line with God's word. And we're going to talk about that next week. We're going to talk about how to be practical in finding God's will and how to make decisions in your life without regrets. How to make next week, bring somebody along, because we're going to talk about how to make decisions without regrets in our life. But you see, trust is the key that unlocks the door to God's ways in our life. How do we know that? Well, turn with me, and you have probably know this by heart. You probably memorized it as a child. But if you haven't, turn with me to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. And I've been quoting this scripture, preaching about this scripture forever. But notice what Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says. Notice it carefully. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your what? In what? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So what does it mean to acknowledge God? When we acknowledge God, we recognize that we're doomed without his intervention in our life. When we acknowledge God, we acknowledge that he's Lord of our life and we're going to do it his way. That we're not going to disobey God's word, but we're going to follow God's word and we're going to acknowledge that he is Lord and Savior over our life. Listen to me. The individual that trusts in his own understanding will make decisions that will take him off track. Now again, can God use that? Yes. He will take that, but there will be consequences of that decision. Because we have a fallen nature, we still have to wrestle with that, that old flesh in our life. But Jeremiah 17 says, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is completely in him. That's what it means to acknowledge the Lord. That as I'm walking, I'm acknowledging that God has my back. As I'm walking forward and I'm making decisions in my life, I've prayed about it. I've sought the word about it. I've got the word in my heart. I've hidden the word in my heart so that I would not sin against God. So how does a guy walk? How does a young lady, a, a, young, a young man walk in the ways of the Lord? By hiding the word of God in our heart so that we know the ways of God. You see, when you hide the word of God in your heart, you know how he thinks. You know how he operates. And so as a result of that, the Spirit of God begins to speak to you because you've got the Proverbs, the words of God in your life so that you know which way to go. But so Jeremiah says, blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him, who will be like a tree planted by the water that seeds out its roots by the stream. And it does not fear when heat comes, its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful and above all things is beyond cure. Who can understand it? So Jeremiah says, your heart, your heart, man, is still at times will lead you astray. But if you put your trust in God and you put your trust in his word, then you will be like a tree planted by the streams and you're going to bear fruit and you will not fear when a decision comes your way. Why? Because you know that you know that you're walking in the ways of the Lord. You can be confident that God's got your back. Somebody say amen. So we need to surrender our will so we can find his ways. We need to surrender our wills. Not say, God, I want to know your will, but we need to surrender our will so we can find his ways. I mean, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's God the Son. And what does Jesus do? Jesus says, God, if it's your will, let this cup pass. Nevertheless, God, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your ways be done, God. 
And see, the only way that you're ever going to find God's ways in your life is when you're totally surrendered to him and you surrender your will to God. I love what it says in Romans chapter 12. It says, therefore, do not be conformed any longer to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He said, present yourself as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Then, listen to me, then you will know his good and perfect will. There it is. So he didn't say, ask for my will. Ask for my will. God, I need to know your will. Who do I marry? No, no, no let me just, hi. There's room at the cross for you. They're coming to the altars before I even finish my sermon. What an awesome sermon. Ah, oh, you're such a cutie. But the truth of the matter is, is that God is so passionately in love with us that all he's asking for us to do is surrender our will. Notice what it says. If you surrender your will to God, you will find his will in your life. If you surrender your life to God, that God will reveal his will to you. And so here we find that the secret of understanding God's will is just to surrender. Su completely surrender to God. See, some of us are running from God. We're still in control of our life. We're still in control of what we want in our life. You know, God, I'm going to marry this person. Let me just, for, I'm going to stop for a moment and just say this about marriage, okay? We're going to talk about the three biggies in three weeks. The three biggies, marriage, ministry, and mission. And how you can find the right decision as you follow through. But, but, but you know, some people have this idea that, that there's only one perfect person in their life. They call it the soulmate. Do you ever hear somebody say, I'm looking for my soulmate. That perfect person in my life that God has created just for me specially. Now, if you're married and you're really happily married and you love the Lord and you really feel like this is a good match, just go home and tell your wife, I love you and you're my soulmate because you're already married. And the truth of the matter is when you get married, when you say I do and that, finger, that, that ring comes on your finger, you are soulmates forever. Amen? But before that, so many of us are thinking, well, who's the right person in my life? And I'm waiting for that right person. And some people have been waiting and waiting and waiting for a long time with that perfect person in my life. And, and, and the truth is we get so fearful of making a decision in our life because we're afraid we're going to make the wrong decision. Listen to me. This can get really crazy and, ha and hairy and, and it can get kind of whacked out and we could start, you know, kind of pulling our hair out. And some of you don't have a whole lot of hair to work with right there. And so you're really, you know, concerned about all this. Listen, I believe with all my heart that when we're walking in God's ways, when we love his ways, God gives us room and freedom to make decisions. He didn't create robots. You know, I had this young man walk into my office one day, and he told me, he said, Pastor Steve, I'm telling you, I love God so much, and I'm so close to God that God can tell me the color socks I should wear. And I, I looked at him and said, you think God's concerned about the color of your socks? You know, and, and, and we're so paranoid because we want God to say every little thing to us, but God has given us mental faculties, well, some of us, <laughs> to be able to think things through, to be able to weigh things out, to be able to read his word and understand. Listen, and his will will never go against his word, never go against his word. You know, in the Bible, you have black and you have white and then you have gray. The black and whites are black and whites and you never argue with the black and whites. You know, if, if, if somebody said, you know what, I, I love this person, I'm married and I want to commit adultery and I just feel, I feel like it's God's will because, you know, I love the person, you know. Somebody said to me one time, it's got to be right. I love the, I'm in love with this woman. I said, but you're already married. Yeah, I know, but I'm in love with this woman. Let me tell you something. It's not God's will. Why? Because God already said you're faithful to one person to, uh, for the rest of your life. And, and, and if God put you together, let no man put us on that. I love that person. It's a feeling. It's not about feelings. It's about black and white. God said that you make a commitment, you stay in that commitment for the rest of your life. Come on, somebody. Say amen to me. And as a result of that, then we know the will of God. And so I don't care how you feel. I don't care about you. Well, God doesn't care about my feelings. Let me tell you something. 20 years ago, you were saying, you were feeling the same way about your wife. So please. 
That's black and white. But there are some gray areas in our life where we don't know where to live. We don't know who to marry. There God gives us the, the freedom to make choices in our life. So I believe that there's not one perfect person that we can marry, but, but God gives us uh, uh, our free will to choose and look around and say, you know what, you know, this person really loves them. We're going to talk about that in three weeks. Who to look for in a relationship, what to look for in a relationship. You know what, this is what God's word says. It's black and white. I'm not to marry somebody who's an unbeliever. It's black and white. Well, I'll get them saved after they come, you know, they marry. You know, that boy's going to come to church all you want before you get married. And let me tell you, after you get married, he's not coming back to church. He tricked you. So be careful. There is no missionary dating in the church, all right? No missionary dating. So, so the truth is, there are black and whites in the Bible. And then there are grace. And what do we do with the grace? Well, we look at the principles that are found in the scriptures. We look at principles. We look at the word. We take all the word together. We get good biblical counseling from people that have been there already. They know the word of God. We seek the spirit of God. We lay our life down and we say, not my will, but your will be done. That's where we get messed up. When it's about our will and we're fighting against the will of God. And God says, no, I already told you. And let me tell you, some people, they'll just keep on going. God's going to give you what you want. And sometimes what you want isn't the best. And so with those gray areas, we, we, we do weigh things out and then we make a decision. You know, because let me, let me tell you how ridiculous it is to think that there's just one person. Well, let, you know, let's just say for a moment that John was supposed to marry Sally. Remember, listen, because there's going to be a test in a moment, all right? John was supposed to marry Sally. That was God's perfect soulmate for that person. But John, for whatever reason, decides that he's going to be out of the will of God, and he marries Sue. Who did he marry? Sue. Not? Yeah. Very good. You're listening, right? So now, John marries who? Sue. Sue instead of Sally. Now, poor Sally, she's stuck with a guy that's not God's perfect will for her life. So the poor guy's thinking to himself, well, you know what? I'm not the perfect one. I'm the second best for her because she really loved John, and she really always said that he was my soulmate in my life. Just so, let's go on a little bit more. John married Sue, right? Who did he marry? Sue. Well, now John and Sue have babies, and now they're out of the will of God, and so on and so on. You see how crazy that is? See, God allows us to choose as long as it doesn't conflict and go against God's perfect will and God's perfect law. Amen? So that's really important to understand so that we can have that freedom. And so we surrender our will to God. And lastly, we delight ourselves in the Lord. How do we find God's ways as the worship team comes back? We find God's ways by delighting ourselves in the Lord. And what does it mean to delight myself in the Lord? Well, that word delight means that we take great joy, we take great pleasure in God. You see, when we talk about God's will, that's just like me and my personal wants. When we talk about God's ways, we're talking about loving who He is. And see, loving Him is more important than finding His will. And so we think about people in the Bible like David, who David cried out to the Lord and he said, one thing I ask and one thing I desire. They're coming to the altar like crazy today. Hallelujah. One thing I ask and one thing I desire is that I might dwell in your house and behold your beauty, O God. That was my beautiful daughter. Thank you, Janine, so much. And you know what? David was more interested in knowing God and knowing him personally, and as a result of knowing God personally, he found God's ways. Listen to me. Look at me for a moment. You know, there are some Old Testament patriarchs in the Old Testament that put, our, put us New Testament Christians to shame because they really understood that at the very heart of knowing God and doing his will and following his ways is this understanding. Listen to me. Is this understanding that when, when, it, when it's all done, it's all about our love, love relationship with God. So here's Moses. Moses, listen to me, look at me. Moses is having a conference call with God. Listen to me. And God says to Moses, Moses, I'm going to be with you. I promise you. But listen to me. He said, your people... 
The people of Israel, they're rebellious. They're stiff-necked. They're stubborn. He says, and you know what? I gave them a chance to go into the promised land. But they would, they refused to obey me. And now they're going to try to go in on their own. Let them go on their own. I'm not going with them this time. Because they're, they're not surrendered and submitted to me. And Moses cries out to the Lord and he intercedes for the people of God. And notice what he says to God. And listen to me, in Exodus chapter 33, Moses says to God, he says, God, he says, you've been saying that you know me and that you love me. He said, God, I want to know your ways, God. Remember, Moses saw his works. Moses saw God part the Red Sea. Moses saw God do some incredible things. God displayed his wonderful works in front of Moses. But Moses says, God, more than anything else, I want to know your ways. So God says to Moses, hey, Moses, because you want to know my ways, I'm going to go with you. And my presence will go where you go, Moses, because you love me so much. And notice the last breath that Moses takes as he's in this dialogue, this, this conference call with God. He says to God, but God, more than even knowing that you're with me, God, show me your glory he said show me your glory God Moses was saying God show me your incredible heart show me your incredible character God I want to know you more than anything else I want to know you and friends you'll never know God's ways until you fall in love with Jesus until you fall in love with God so much that you're willing to follow him wherever he leads you but let me, be, let me assure you of this one thing. Wherever he leads you, when you're walking in his ways, you will follow and find his will. Oh, pastor, I've been praying. Do I go into ministry? Pastor, I've been praying about this person that I'm supposed to marry. Pastor, I've been praying for God's will for my life. To be honest with you, God's never told you to pray for his will. What he's told you is to walk in his ways because when you walk in his ways you'll find his will let's pray Would you bow your heads right now with me and let's pray thank you Lord Father we thank you this morning that you love us and that your ways are perfect God God we want to we want to feel your heartbeat God Lord we want to walk with you, God. Lord, we don't want you to just give us things. We don't even want you to give us your will, God. We want you to give us yourself, God. As the word of the Lord said, Abraham said, God, you are my great reward, God. And Paul the apostle, he said, everything that I have in my life, everything that I have in my life, every possession, Lord, is like, is like dung compared to knowing God compared to knowing him be found in him walking with him and loving Christ with all of our heart this is the air that I breathe this is the bread that I eat that I'm I'm gonna tell you today that if you have a love for God and you walk in his ways you have no fear of finding his will because he'll make sure he'll move mountains Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He'll make your path straight. He'll move the mountains out of your path to make it straight because He loves you so much. He'll move the valleys to make sure that you have a straight run to glory. But that's what God does. When you love Him, He just does the work ahead of you. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. And many are the plans of a man's heart, but it's the purpose of the Lord that prevails. So I want to ask you a question this afternoon. You say, Pastor Steve, if I die today, I'm not sure that I, I'd have eternal life. I'm not sure that if I die today, that I'd go to heaven. And I need to get right with Jesus today. I need to give my life to Jesus today. I want you to raise your hands right now and say, Pastor, pray for me. God bless you. 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 I, I, want, to, I want to give my life to Jesus. Hey, friends, Jesus loved you so much that he died on the cross for you and he's proven to you that if you follow him in all of his ways he's gonna lead you to a good place 
You say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not sure that if I died today, I'd go to heaven and I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I want you to raise your hand. Anybody else in this place? Anybody else in this place today? Hey, listen, God bless you. After the service today, in a few moments, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you to come right here and I want to pray a blessing over your life. I've done this three times today. My, my voice has given out on me. But I don't want to leave this place until I've prayed for you, until I've asked God to bless your life, and until we've given you the resources that you need to be able to follow through in His ways. Last week I talked about, or, or two weeks ago, I talked about how God takes us through the fire because He's got a plan for our life. Next week we're going to talk about how God uses His Word to shape us and sharpen us so that we can make the right decisions in our life. But I believe with all my heart that today's about surrendering to God to Jesus to say God no matter what I own no matter who I am all for the glory of your kingdom all for the glory of your kingdom God Lord I want you more than I want your will I want you more than I want your will and so I'd like everybody to stand to your feet right now so you're here and you've got some major, major decisions that you've got to make in your life there's some young people, some young adults in this place, and you're praying about God's will for your life. Who do I marry? Where do I go? That's the wrong question. The right question is, who do I follow? And God, how do I get your heart? And God, I just want to be in the center of my relationship with you. Not, in, not even in the center of your will, but in the center of my relationship with you because I love you more than anything else and so how many of you today you're going through a difficult time in your life there's a you're going through a valley a struggle a trial something's going on in your life let me see your hands right now I want you to take take your hands like this and I want you to take that situation in your life and put it in the palm of your hands right now right now put it in the palm of your hands and say God this is the trial that I'm going through how many of you you have a decision that you need to make in your life maybe it's a marriage decision finances whatever it is you say, I need to make a major decision. Let me see your hands right now. Let me see your hands. You've you, you got a decision. I want you to take that decision, put it in your hand right now. Put it in your hand right now. How many of you in this room right now, you know that at the very core of your being, you want God's will and His ways for your life more than anything else in your life? You want to you do it God's way. You want to go God's way. I want you to raise your hand right now. I want you to take that and put it in your hands right, right here. Put it in your hands right here. And now I want, to, I want you to do something brave. Every one of you who raised your hand this morning and said, I want Jesus to come into my life. I want Jesus to forgive me. I said, I want to give you first shot at this. I want, I want you to respond first. I want you to get out of your seat if you raise your hand and come right here and meet me. I want to pray a blessing over your life. Come on. If you raised your hand, come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. If you raised your hand, come on, come on. Just those who raised their hand in the beginning. You raised your hand in the very beginning. Come on. Anybody else? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hallelujah. The best part of my whole life. Thank you. The best part of my whole life right here. Calling people to repentance. Calling people to know God. There ain't nothing better than this. Nothing gets better than this. Oh, by the way, the third service is definitely my favorite service. It just seems like God is just doing something incredible in the third service. So if you switch to the second, then that'll be my, my favorite service. Anybody else, you need to come and give your life to Jesus today. Just surrender your life to Jesus. Jesus, here's my life, God. Here's my life. Anybody else, quickly. If you died today, are you positive that you'd go to heaven? If you're not, come. Let us, let us help you to understand that. Let us help you to know that. All right, wonderful. We're going to pray for these folks. But now, all the rest of you who, you have a problem, you have a decision, or you just have a, a desire, a pure desire to make God first in your life, Him first, seek first the kingdom of God. You come first. I want you to get out of your seat and come and just surround these folks right here. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. See, we bring it to the altar. We bring it to the altar. We bring our lives to the altar. See, the altar, I know that we call this the altar. Do you know why we call this the altar? Do you know, do you know why we call the front the altar? 
Anybody know? Come on, press in, press in. This is definitely my favorite service. <laughs> Do you know why we call this the altar? Because you come here, and a lot of times we'll kneel. Today we can't, there's too many people, but a lot of times we'll kneel down. And when we kneel down, we're saying, you're God, and I surrender to you, and I humble myself to you. And the altar is a place of sacrifice. That's what it meant in the Old Testament. It was a place of sacrifice where we would take our best and give it to God. Where the people of God would take his sheep and lambs and whatever they had and, and they'd bring it to God and they would say, God, this is my very best, God. And I give it to you because you're worthy. I give it to you, God, because you're God. And I offer it to you, God, because you deserve my very best. And so we call people forward because what we're going to say today is, God, I'm going to give you my trials. I'm going to give you my aspirations, my dreams. God, I'm going to give you everything that I ever hoped for in my life. I'm going to lay it at your feet, God. And what I want more than anything else is for you to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I want to please you today, God. I want to walk in your ways, God, because you are more important than anything else in my life. Do you understand that? So I want you to raise your hand again and put that whatever it was in your hand. And I want you to say to God today, God, God, I desire to walk in your ways, to know your ways. I will spend my life learning your ways, reading your word learning about your heartbeat so that I might walk in your ways I bring to you my struggles I bring to you my dreams I bring to you these major decisions and I first make you Lord of my life every area of my life belongs to you and I will no longer fear making mistakes. I will not allow fear to paralyze me. But I will live in your grace and in your word. Thank you, God, that I'm confident that my steps are ordered by you. And I will trust you with all my heart and not lean on my own understanding but I will acknowledge you in all my ways you'll make my path straight in Jesus name amen stay with me for a moment father I just pray for these wonderful people who responded today and they said Lord I don't know if I die today I'd go to heaven Lord maybe some of them don't know because they've never been taught that they're saved by grace through faith and it's a gift of God and no man can work for their salvation Lord maybe for the first time God you begin to speak to their life and they want to repent and they want to ask God for you to forgive them Lord and to, and to really come into their life God Lord I just pray today that you bless these people God and that you would work in their lives today God and that you would help them to recognize that you're madly in love with them madly in love with them and Lord you do have a plan for their life and you do have a will God, help them to learn your ways, Lord, and know that in all their ways, Lord, you'll never leave them. You'll never forsake them, Father. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.